0: Hello everybody and welcome to the Going Up Cast, your occasional feel-good podcast where this week we talk about movies and ramen. That's right. Not a whole lot happened this week for me, uh, but I unfortunately came down with something. Not really quite sure what, um, but it my throat hurts like a son of a bitch and it isn't COVID because I took the test. But I don't have tests for any other diseases, so it's a goddamn mystery. Why are you going to I didn't, I not Because I don't want to. Um, that's, I'm just lazy and yeah. Anyway, uh, in my, in my current kind of, uh, lazy state, I say lazy healing, let's call it healing, my current healing state, I watched a a metric butt fucking ton of movies, um, including the newest Batman movie, which honestly I talked about that movie for an incredibly long amount of time. And then I dive into some good old fashioned golden age of Hollywood stuff and we talk about the Maltese Falcon and Treasures of the Sierra Madres, two Humphrey Bogart movies. Um, I think there's something else in there that I talk about as well, but I can't for the life of me remember. Oh, also, um, in me trying to heal, uh, I ate a bunch of make-it-yourself ramen types. I think in this, uh, we talk about, I want to say we talk about three types of ramen. It, be, it might be four. I can't quite remember. I've got more, um, but the you'll hear my general consensus of what I think of, like do-it-yourself ramen um yeah 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 it's been it's been a weird fucking week you know when when you don't have like the stability of work to kind of keep you productive it's really easy to kind of lose yourself and you know i've been staying home trying to heal you know i'm staying hydrated and doing all that fun stuff and it's just like I'm bored out of my mind. like I would love nothing more than to, like go out and see some nature, especially because it's such a nice fucking weekend, but I can't because I will relapse if I try to do too much too fast and I'll just get worse. So I gotta continue to take it easy and rest and it fucking sucks. It's it's the equivalent nobody wants to be sick on the weekend or during work like fucking I'm not I'm not missing school anymore. I got shit to do. But I'm too weak to do it. It sucks. So, stay healthy, please, for love of God. Don't be like me. Don't get what I think is bronchitis. Um, it sucks. Anyway, let's talk about some fucking ramen and some movies. Well, I have a cold. And I haven't had a cold in a couple of years now. So this one caught me pretty heavily by surprise and one of my go-to things when i have a cold is soup it's the classic you know chicken noodle soup when you were a kid but i've evolved i've i've expanded my worldly uh desires and so now my go-to is ramen now here's the thing i'm a really big fan of ramen restaurants um but i don't want to leave my house so I went out and bought... Um, I know. I don't want to leave my house to go get ramen. But I left my house and went and got make it at home packet ramen. But I got a bunch of different brands of the stuff. Because I don't fucking know which ones are good or not. And so I figured I would talk about the five ramen brands that I got. And we're going to see how they fucking stack up. So I did do... So with each of these, um, I like my ramen spicy, and so each one has a little bit of sriracha in it just to give it some heat. That's the only thing that I did different to these ramens, just so we're all clear. Um, however, if you instead of like making your ramen in like water, if you made it in like bone broth or hell even a ramen starter, you would probably up the flavor of these quite a bit. But I'm using water just because. I want to try to keep them as, like, neutral as possible. Anyway, the first one I tried here. We've got Nong Shim uh, Shin Noodle Soup Gourmet Spicy. It's the red bag. Um, I could not find a one-off of the black variety, um, which I've been told is, like, the best one. Um, So I don't know about that. I thought this one was pretty good. The Brick of Ramen is... um, The noodles themselves are identical to, like, the 25-cent ramen that I had in college. Um, I don't have any of those because I'm trying to try, like, the good stuff. And that is basically just salt in a bowl. It's tasty salt in a bowl, but that's just salt in a bowl. Um, so the noodle quality is is not the best I've had with do-it-yourself-at-home ramen. Uh, but it's not the worst. It's also, this this particular brand of ramen has a a different, um... Like cooking method than virtually every other type of ramen I've seen where you Um Boil the water and then you add the noodles and the sauce packets and the flakes to the pot of boiling water. Every other type of ramen I've used says to put the like the sauce base, like the powder and the packet crap in the bowl, pour the water into the bowl that you boiled the noodles in, stir it up so it's like mixed, and then add the noodles in that's that's how every other one says to do it and so that's how i did it with this one flavor wise i thought it was pretty good uh the little flakes of things i couldn't identify a couple of them so i didn't eat them but it was it was fine you know it's not like having a big proper bowl of ramen it's just it's just fine um no flavor wise i thought it was pretty good it's got a pretty decent amount of sodium 86 percent of your daily allotment of sodium Um, it's 510 calories per serve or per bag really, um, which does make it one of the more calorically intense ramen bowls that I have in my pantry right now. But yeah, it was, it was good. Um, not the best ramen I've ever had. And indeed it wasn't even the best like at home ramen I've ever had. I'd probably rate this like a solid six out of 10. Um, you can definitely do worse. Um, but I, I think, and I've had better. So that is, that is my, um, my thing there. Let's talk about the next one. Next up to the chopping block comes to us from Iron Chef Masaharu Morimoto. It is Momosan Tokyo Chicken Ramen. I got this in a, uh, big old like 10 pack from Costco weeks ago. Um, not even weeks. Actually, I've had this stuff for months. Um, and I just now finally got around to trying it and the quality of the noodle is better than the previous ramen brand. So I like that. It's got like more starch to it. Uh, you can tell it's just like a higher quality noodle. Um, this one has a little bag of, it's called liquid seasoning. I think it's just sesame oil. So I'm not entirely sure, but it's tasty, whatever the fuck it is. But it's, it's definitely like an oil of some persuasion. Um, and then it has its own soup base. And so just like the other ramen, you, you boil your brick of ramen in the 450 milliliters of water, or whatever the fuck it's specially, you know, tells you to do. I mean, logic would dictate you can use as much water as your bowl will fit. I mean, the more broth, the better, right? Like, that's the whole point of eating soup is the warm, salty broth. Um, and so what I do is with the liquid seasoning and the soup bases, I like mix that together into basically like a soup paste. Add the boiling water to it, stir that up a little bit, and then add the noodles. Um, and with that one, the Morimoto ramen, uh, it's not spicy whatsoever. The uh, the red bag I talked about just now had a little bit of natural heat to it, but it wasn't enough for me, so I added the sriracha. This one, it took quite a bit of sriracha in order for it to like kind of really get to the level of heat that I'm looking for. Basically, where you kind of you know get a little snotty, like that's that's what you want. Um, that's the proper level of heat. Um, that being said, the, the flavor profile of this one is, is completely different. Um, it's It's got a, a pretty good depth of flavor, especially for like a do-it-yourself ramen. Um, so I, I would recommend that one too. Probably give it a 7 out of 10. Um, and I I would recommend it. I'm not sure where else you can get it besides Costco. I haven't seen it anywhere else. Um, but it's a it's a pretty solid one. It's a pretty solid one. I've got high hopes for the other ones. The ones I'm going to do next. Um, especially... Um, the, there, I have one where instead of it being like a brick of ramen, it's like, uh, they're like long, like spaghetti noodles. Um, so I'm really interested to see how that one's going to go. I think those are probably going to be the best noodles out of all of them. So let's move on to the next one. We interrupt me talking about different types of ramen to bring you a review of the latest Batman movie. Live action Batman movie. There may be an animated one, that's slightly more recent, but I don't know about it. The Batman, directed by Matt Reeves, came out a couple of weeks ago. Honestly, like I'm actually pretty, pretty on it for this one. Of course, I waited for it to drop on HBO Max because I'm stubborn. And um, boy, howdy, if you've been listening to this podcast for a second, you know that I'm a big Batman fan. If you want to know what it, what my opinions are for a fuck ton of Batman movies. Well, you can scroll back into deeper episodes of the podcast where I've reviewed a whole fucking mess of them. I won't even say all of them because more were added later. Um, and I need to circle back and watch those. But I'm a big Batman fan. Um, and so when I say that this movie is both, A, really good, and B, my favorite representation of Batman. Might perk your ears up a little bit. So, yeah, in terms of live action Batmans, this is my new standard what christian christian bale was was the previous one but where i think christian bale and a lot of other batman actors including kevin conroy fail is batman and bruce wayne feel like two different people most of the time there's a disconnect you know they they really don't seem like the same person I mean, Bruce Wayne, the philanthropist, and, you know, the the golden boy of Gotham versus Batman, this fucking brutal, ass-kicking detective. Like, you could write them as two different characters, and there's a dichotomy there. And depending on the type of story you're telling, that dichotomy can make a lot of sense. You know, it's that same idea of why I love Spider-Man, because Spider-Man could be like, Hey, you know, I gotta go stop bad guys But I've got this math test to study for It's the dichotomy of Spider-Man and Peter Parker You know, the dueling identities This is the first movie The first movie Where not only do Bruce Wayne and Batman feel like people They feel like the same person Matt, uh, Robert Pattinson brings the same energy To both halves of this character And that You see Bruce under the mask, and you see Batman behind Bruce's eyes when they're the other. You can see the other half, and it feels like a complete, whole character for, like, the first fucking time in any of these fucking live-action Batman movies. They always feel like just separate individuals. It is the first time, in my opinion at least, it really feels like they're brought together and... That's done through incredible acting and wonderful writing to really sell that. Um, Cinematography in this movie was also really fucking impressive. There were a lot of amazing shots. The utilization of orange and blue color was consistent throughout the entire movie. Um, It was one of those things that once you started noticing it, you couldn't stop noticing it. And so because I noticed it, I have to tell you about it. There's a lot of orange and blue in this movie. Like, a lot. Like, those are the dominant colors. Orange and blue and black. Um, It actually almost reminds me of how they drew the animated series where it was on black paper, um, and it just has this, like, natural darkness to it. Um, Also, this movie gets mad props from me for making Gotham seem like the shittiest fucking city ever. Like... Most of the time, it's it's New York with like a coat of paint, but this fucking city is a hole, and it looks awful. And that's what it's supposed to be. Gotham sucks. Like this is the like this is such a great representation of Gotham, in being a fucking terrible place to live and be, and and try and survive in. It's corrupt. It rains like non fucking stop, and it's not like. ...fun Pacific Northwest rain where it's like kind of cloudy and dingy and drizzly like all the fucking time. It's like pouring cats and dogs all the fucking time in that fucking city. And it just seems like you're like... It's the type of place where your socks are never dry. It's that kind of miserable. And I know that sounds kind of like not very miserable, but... Could you imagine? Eternal wet socks? You would be so fucking annoyed at everything and that's what this fucking show shit is about the um this movie clearly draws inspiration from year one right he's a very young batman he's probably been, only been doing this for like a couple of years um in in this shit at the start of the movie um i saw some long halloween influence um which is kind of nice that it made it into the live action because the actual adaptation of Long Halloween is long and boring and kind of sucked Um, so there's definitely some stuff there Um, and then you get Riddler and uh, Paul Dano playing the Riddler, he did an amazing job there is not a weak acting link in the entire fucking movie Robert Pattinson fucking kills it Zoe Kravitz fucking kills it, Andy Serkis fucking kills it if anything, I wish we saw more of Andy Serkis um, I think the, the real golden egg here, besides Pattinson's incredible portrayal of Batman, and I cannot wait to see him do it more, Colin Farrell as the Penguin was an uh, unexpected treat. I don't think Colin Farrell's a bad actor, um, but he he definitely breathes a lot of life into the Penguin, and uh, it was nice to see the Penguin on the, the big screen for the first time since fucking Danny DeVito. Um, so that was really nice. Man I, I kind of want to talk about The plot of the movie But the ride is so entertaining um, And as the as the mystery unfolds Because the Riddler is the main villain of this movie um, And if you had told me that Like a couple of years before this movie came out I probably would have said That's stupid The Riddler can't carry a whole movie on his own you can. you can. You just gotta tweak him a little bit. Um, and... It was, uh... It was incredibly well done. He... It's it's an over-the-top performance, but he sells it so fucking well. Um, there's a... There's a particular scene later on in the film um, where uh, Riddler and uh, Batman have a conversation. And that's... Interaction is so fucking... It's it's so good. Um, I'm not going to talk about the specific details of this plot. Um, I can definitely see where elements are pulling from. I'm just going to talk about different elements of the film um, that worked for me and some stuff that didn't. Um, The big thing I want to focus on first is the relationship between Batman and Catwoman. This is something that I traditionally really enjoy um and dark knight rises anne hathaway and christian bale i thought was really good um uh, i think it's the animated movie hush um has quite a bit of catwoman and batman and most of the time it just never works out right like catwoman can't handle um how batman like doesn't kill there's always something that drives them apart Uh, Like, the only time they're not driven apart is Dark Knight Rises. And that was because that was the end of that fucking series. Um, And so I was not surprised with how their relationship went. Um, I felt like they had a decent amount of chemistry. I felt like it was a decent representation of their relationship. Um, I felt like it was carried a little bit by comic book knowledge. Like... You know they they have feelings for each other before you see the movie. And so they don't work as hard to try and sell you that fact in the film. Um, it's kind of like... Understanding that Batman doesn't kill. Like, that's a thing that... The movie does go into a little bit But it doesn't like go out of its way To establish that fact Also I appreciate this movie For not beating us over the head With the death of Thomas Martha Wayne By showing it to us It's a plot point in the movie Don't get me wrong And I love what they did with it um, But we don't start the movie that way And I was so fucking convinced we were But no the movie starts At the start of the movie Like there's no flashback Um, Are there any flashbacks? i don't think so i think it's done with news footage um i don't think it flashes back ever the movie just happens there's no there's no previously on there's no there's none of that shit it just it just occurs before you in real time um and that's really fucking nice because this movie is pretty ambitious it's almost three hours long As the first entry in a new trilogy, a new connected universe that has nothing to do with the DCEU. Has nothing to do with that. This is a different Batman. This is a different world. Has nothing to do with Aquaman or The Flash or Wonder Woman or any of that shit. And I like that. I like that a lot. This is the best DC movie I've seen since the Christopher Nolan Batman movies. And those barely count. As DC movies This is a fucking DC movie Because it understands Batman Incredibly well And it portrayed him really well And it was nice to see A villain That wasn't just Batman kicking the shit out of him Cause don't get me wrong Paul Dano would have lost that fight In a second But they never lay hands on each other In the whole movie It's all a mental game It's all about those fucking riddles And it's so fucking stupid, the riddle. Like, just as a concept. Like, I love how this interpretation of the character. But every time a riddle was stated in this movie, I could not help but think about the 1960s Batman with Adam West and those fucking riddles. Where it's like, what weighs five pounds and is dangerous? And Adam West waits a beat and he goes, a sparrow with a machine gun. And Robin's like, of course, it's so simple. And I'm like, those aren't riddles. It's complete nonsense this movie had some riddles like you could probably figure these out as you're watching it i never heard these riddles before so that's nice um except for the ones that were like used as insults um so that was that was pretty good and no i i I very much enjoyed the riddles it's smart writing smart writing for sure um which is also nice because uh it was written by the director and peter craig um who what else did you write You wrote some other stuff. Uh, (laughs) Hunger Games. Alright, well. And Bad Boys for Life. Whew. Alright, well, you know what? This movie was written pretty good. So, I guess you, uh, you, you, you needed a win at some point. I also really, really, really love the city's relationship with Batman. Most of the time, Batman's like a fucking, you know, enemy of the law. And he's, he's a vigilante... And the city hates him... And the cops hate him... And everybody fucking hates him... Not in this goddamn movie... Batman is a fucking hero... In this fucking movie... Not in the beginning... But once, once the ending rolls around... Batman's a fucking hero... And he has like everyone's respect... Everybody loves Batman... And I thought that was so fucking nice to see... Like it took a second... For people to like accept him as a hero... And it's so nice to see Batman like actually saving people. He's not just out there kicking the shit out of out of bad guys. He saves people in this movie multiple times. It's the first thing you see Batman do, is he saves people from being mugged by this like weird white faced skinhead gang. Um I thought that was that was awesome. I loved the the presence of just villainy. Like every scene in the iceberg lounge, everything with uh fucking Falcone or Falcone or whatever the fuck. I loved all that shit. Um I thought that was that was really well done. Uh John Taturo. Took took me a while to stop seeing him as that fucking dipshit from Transformers. Uh but he did a pretty good job too. I thought casting was really on point and people really separated themselves from previous previous roles. Jeffrey Wright, as Gordon, is inspired. And he does an amazing job. And their relationship, Batman and Gordon's relationship in this, this is the most Batman and Gordon do with each other. Like, it's like a fucking buddy cop movie at times. Like, they are just in this shit together. Because at one point, they're like, I only trust you. They only trust each other. And so they that's all they have is each other in order to stop this menace. And it's so fucking nice. Um, And this movie gave me a lot of things I didn't realize I wanted until I saw it. And now that I have it, I can't go back. So Batman's relationship with the city is so fucking huge. Because to me, this is kind of driving towards um, Dark Knight um, Returns territory. Where Batman is like this unstoppable monster of a good guy to the point where even the president and superman couldn't bring him down and like in, in that fucking series right the world is basically on fire and everybody every city's under martial law except for gotham because batman has the fucking iron fist of the lord that comes down on that city and fucking they sh- like get right the fuck up and in ship shape and fucking president reagan or whoever the hell it was is like batman needs to be stopped superman i need you to go in there and that's bush (laughs) i need you to go in there and stop the batman and then superman tries to stop batman and batman whoops his fucking ass but leaves him alive and looks at superman right in the eye and he wants he goes i want you to know that i was the one who brought you down stay out of my city it's so fucking good. That's what I, I i don't know where they're going with this. They do tease the Joker at the end of the movie. Um, I think in the credits he's named like unnamed Arkham prisoner. Um, and it seems pretty likely that it is the Joker. Um, just in mannerisms and laugh. And the fact that you kind of see his face a little bit. Which to me looked pretty leathery and fucked up. Which makes me think this is a Joker who's already cut his face off and strapped it back on. Um, which could be nice. We haven't seen that version of the Joker in, on, on live action before. Um, and I've learned long ago not to like expect something from an, an actor. Just because I've seen them in other things. Um, if I did that, I would have thought that Paul Dano wasn't going to make a good Riddler. And he makes an excellent Riddler. Or rather, he makes an excellent... This version of the Riddler. Um, And so, if they go with Joker next... Which I kind of hope they don't. um, It's not that I don't like the Joker. It's that... I feel like we... Got... What the Joker story is... Gonna be with this. Because the Joker and the Riddler are essentially the same type of villain. Somebody who's... Lost their goddamn mind. Who kills people... To taunt Batman... They're basically the same. One does it with riddles and the other one does it with clown shit. They're basically the same. So I feel like a Joker movie would be a little too similar to what we just got with the Riddler. So I'm not sure what villain you go with next. I mean, doing... Because the Penguin is right the fuck there and it's quite clear that he's building towards something. Um, and I even think they're they're making a, a fucking penguin TV show um to tie in with this shit, which is fascinating. Um I think that would be has the potential to be good. um yeah, so it's it's supposed to be the start of a new trilogy. Um, HBO was developing a spin-off series on the penguin um, so who? Yeah, it looks like it will be a limited series and then apparently there's going to be a spin-off series on um, Arkham Asylum itself. Uh, envisioned a horror tone with Arkham being depicted as a haunted house. Ooh. Interesting. I like it. So, yeah, I'm not I'm not sure where they're going to go with it next. This is a, an incredibly dark and depressing vision of Gotham. And it definitely smacks of realism. I mean, Batman's Batmobile in this movie is basically a souped-up, like, fucking Corvette. I mean, it's souped-up as hell. It's basically a rocket car that's bulletproof, but, you know, it's not, like, some military tank. It's not some futuristic rocket car. I mean, it does have a rock. It is a rocket car, but, you know what I mean? It's not that fucking, like, really long-nosed one. It seems like something that somebody could legitimately build. Um, and that's that's you know, a big part of this Batman is he's, he does seem very realistic. Um, he's remarkably bulletproof. He took a shotgun blast to the chest at one point and he just walks it off. Um, but his, his tactics, his, his gadgets. Um, the only thing that seemed a little, a little, uh, comic booky is, well, I mean, a, the grappling hook, which never works. Um, but the fucking, uh, contact lens, Webcam that seemed to have infinite battery life seems a little um, I don't doubt that the technology could exist I just don't think it would last that long is my big complaint there so yeah Um, is there anything else I want to say about this movie it was it was remarkably good it's definitely up there in terms of like my all time favorite Batman movies um and I think honestly for me it's it's all about Batman. You know, like the the one I keep thinking about is Dark Knight, right? Because that one has some pretty good performances. But I think I think it's been so long since The Dark Knight came out and I've seen it so many times and I've talked about it to death so many times that this one might be my new top because it's new. And it did things that I really appreciated, and it has my favorite representation of Batman that I've seen in any media. And it, I guess I'm a i am I guess I'm a little biased because I feel like I've experienced Robert Pattinson a lot in recent years um, with the audiobooks. I mean, you know reading a Cedric Diggory and then reading all of the Twilight books and knowing that he portrayed Edward, there's just, there's this element where it's like, I have a really high opinion of Robert Pattinson because I know how shitty Twilight was. Cause I read it all. I haven't seen all the movies, so I, I don't know about his performance, but I I am so proud of this man <laughs> for overcoming that donkey shit to turn around and give us like one of the greatest Batman performances ever put to film. So fucking holy crap. This kid is good. This is a, this is a talented motherfucker. Um, and he's the first guy to really figure out that there are two sides to Bruce Wayne. There's Bruce Wayne and there's Batman, but it's not two identities. It is, two sides of the same coin and it's it feels like a unified fucking coin. And it's never felt like that before. So Batman, the Batman for me, gets I think a nine out of ten. I don't think it's a perfect movie. There are definitely some some things that I would have changed. And I also feel I I don't mind the runtime, but I'd be pretty confident I could probably cut out A lot of this movie and it might just kind of go a little bit better um there are a lot of shots that linger like i feel like batman takes the fucking letter out of the bat cage for like five minutes and i don't think it needed to be that long um there's there's a lot of scenes that just kind of extend for a while um and you can probably shorten that shit up Um, but I, I see what they're going for. There's some Hitchcockian influences here. It's noir as fuck, uh, which is also great to see. Um, it does have action and it does have fight and it has some really cool action scenes and some really cool fight scenes, but that is so not the point of this movie. This is not a Batman movie where he solves the problem with his muscles. It's a Batman movie where he solves problems with his brain. And that is something that we have not seen in a remarkably long time. He never gets the upper hand in these scenarios he's always like five steps behind and that's kind of the point um but it's still nice to see him think for a change and show us that he is the world's greatest detective and what that actually means like that that's Batman at his core he's so modern media has shown Batman to be a brawler he is a thinker he outsmarts. His villains. That's the only reason he's a threat to Superman is because he can fucking think and strategize and devise ways to overcome a much more powerful opponent. If it was a straight slobber knocker brawl between Spider-Man and Batman, Batman would die every single time. It's only because Batman is intelligent that he is able to fucking figure that shit out and come out on top in the Superman fight. Everybody knows this. This is a truth fact. Otherwise, it, he would not stand a chance. And so, seeing Batman just fucking think his way through problems and put the fucking pieces together is awesome to see. And it's, and Pattinson fucking sells it too. Like, as new elements and puzzle pieces kind of get pieced together and brought in, it's just like, oh, oh, oh. And I'm being a fucking idiot and I probably could have figured some of this shit out like a long time ago, but I was riding that mystery right up until like every final reveal. I didn't see any of that shit coming. I thought it was awesome. So that's why I really don't want to get into the, the fucking nitty gritty details of what the actual movie is about because riding that, that ride and experiencing it for the first time yourself is really the goddamn point. So I give the Batman nine out of 10, it's simply fantastic if you haven't seen it I would highly recommend it it is three hours long so set some time aside um oh also uh, the very end of the movie after the credits there's uh, a quick like flash of a uh, of a website URL that the movie gives you and uh, that's just a nice little touch I did visit the website I'm not gonna tell you what it is but you should you should check it out it was it's very cute um, takes like six seconds it's 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 nothing much but it's just very cute um, and I appreciate that level of uh, of attention to detail. Give me a sequel don't make it about the Joker or if it is about the Joker it needs to be a different kind of movie because the worst thing that the sequel could do would be this shit but just swapping out the Red with the Joker that'd be I don't think that'd be as as good. I'd be sitting there being like, yeah I, I just saw this movie. It's called the first movie. It needs to be something else. I don't know what. I'm thinking about like the echelon of Batman villains. Like, Penguin seems the obvious choice. I know I'm kind of repeating myself here, but Penguin seems the obvious choice. But there are a bunch of great villains that that could make up an appearance. Um, I honestly think the Court of Owls might make a pretty good live action. Um, I think the Penguin with the the mob factor. Um, and the Court of Owls with like the secret society shit Might make for a pretty interesting movie It'd be it'd be similar in vain But it's like It's a Batman fought a crazy guy And that's the Riddler Batman fighting like Bane Or Killer Croc Or Solomon Grundy Like those are big romper stomper monsters That's not really a big threat You know I feel like it needs to be like a blend of things Um, in order for, for Batman to, to really kind of have at it. Um, I also wouldn't mind the return of like poison Ivy. Um, I think that'd be, that'd be a really good, uh, villain to throw up against Batman. Um, God, I mean, that's the beauty of Batman movies, right? There's a thousand and one different directions they could take this shit. And, uh, I really look forward to seeing what they end up doing with it. I loved this movie. And I, I knew I was going to like it. I didn't think I was going to like it this much. Good, good shit. I'm going to go brush my teeth and go to bed. I'm still recovering from the illness. Um, but yeah, go watch Batman. Let's move on to the next thing in the podcast. All right, tried another ramen. Um, I forgot the, the name of this brand, but it describes itself as the king of ramen. I actually have two different versions of this. Um, but I went with the artificial tonkatsu ramen. It was interesting to me that they went out of their way to describe it as artificial tenkatsu. um, Which is my preferred type of ramen. Like, whenever I go out and get ramen, tenkatsu ramen is usually what I go after. Which, to my understanding, is a pork-based ramen. Like, pork broth-based. It's got a really good depth of flavor to it. And I really enjoy it. And so, when I saw that there was tenkatsu ramen, I was like, let's give this a whirl. Um, and so the king of ramen, uh, I think the quality of noodle with this particular type of ramen is actually a little higher. Um, it's not like the fucking wavy brick is, you know, it's the disc of noodles, but as it like becomes noodles, then they cook in the pot. They actually feel like a noodle, you know, it doesn't feel super cheap. Felt like there was some substance to it. So I really appreciated that. Um, the ramen broth itself was pretty good. Um, the, the packets, like the soup packet, and this one also has liquid seasoning, um, really do add a lot. Um, and of course I hit this with a fuck ton of Sriracha and it was probably, um, compared to like, this one was really solid. Like, I feel like this could be turned into like a legitimate bowl of ramen, pretty easily getting like maybe even a higher quality noodle and coming in with with the pork and the eggs and all that crap and making it like a proper bowl of ramen. The the broth base that this one provides is really, really good. Um and so this one is, is definitely one of my new favorites. Uh one thing I've noticed with pretty much all of these ramens that I've had so far is tummy troubles. Um and I think it's because of the sriracha I keep adding. Uh, because I make it like fucking melt your lips off hot and then my bowels go, nope. So that could be a thing. Um, I've got one more from from this particular brand that is miso flavored. Um, And to the best of my knowledge, I don't think I've ever had a miso ramen. So I'm really curious about how this one's going to go down. Um, And then I've got one more um, to try that is like super fancy um, that has multiple servings in it. So that one's going to be particularly interesting. And I'm probably going to have one of these tomorrow. Because my throat is still all sorts of fucked up. Doesn't hurt to talk though. Which is nice. Um, that being said, this is the most I've talked all fucking day. Uh, most of my communication with other people has been via text message. So, there you go. Um, yeah, no, it's been it's been good trying these different kinds of ramen. Um, but I gotta say, I'm getting really fucking sick of ramen. I'm eating it because I know it's... It's good for my throat, and it it helps, like, kind of get over the cold, but fuck, I'm sick of ramen. It's gonna be a long time before I, like, I think if I eat ramen in a restaurant, it's fine, because there's a whole bunch of other ingredients in that ramen to, like, make it good, Um, but I'm not gonna run out to the store and buy more fucking packets of ramen, at least not for a while. I still have one trick that I really want to try, and I did buy, I have chicken bone broth. Um, and I want to try using that as my ramen liquid instead of water, because I think it's gonna bring a more flavor and be way more nutrients to my bowl of ramen, and it's gonna be more filling because bone broth is like is substantial. So I wanna I wanna try that, and I think I might try that with the um uh with the the miso ramen next, because I'll just cook up some some bone broth and cook the noodles in the bone broth and pour that in and it's just gonna be a fucking meaty ass ramen and i think that's gonna be really good for me so i'm gonna give that a whirl let's move on next thing the podcast to write out my incredibly strange double feature i decided to watch 1941's the maltese falcon i watched casablanca for the first time several weeks ago and i thought it was really good And, um, despite Bogart's rather wooden performance in that movie, I gotta be honest, um, I really do enjoy the movie Casablanca, but he doesn't really, he didn't really feel like a person in that movie. He felt like Humphrey Bogart. Um, and it fit for the movie, but I wanted to see him kind of stretch his acting wings a little bit because... You know, when you toss things around, like, greatest actor of the 20th century, you know, that comes with a certain expectation. That he would fucking deliver. Um, and so I decided to watch The Maltese Falcon, which is another Humphrey Bogart movie. In fact, it is older than Casablanca. Um, and a couple of things I, I I think about Humphrey Bogart. One, his head is enormous. It's It's like... 25-30% to 30% larger than a normal person's head. He's got a very big head. Two, he has a presence to him. It, it reminds me of Jack Nicholson in that it almost doesn't even matter what role they're in. They dominate the scene they're in. Like, all eyes go to Bogart. Like, he just has this bearing to him of... He knows how good he is. And everybody in that fucking room knows how good he is. And so they just, like, yield the floor to Bogart. He just has that, like... That bearing. Three... He makes smoking look cool. Smoking isn't cool. Do not smoke, kids. But his... In this movie in particular... He is constantly... Using... Tobacco... In, in scenes. Like, he's either rolling the cigarettes... Or he's blowing smoke in people's faces... Or he's looking rad when he's doing it... Just like... He's, he's just, it's just a, a sharp... Fucking movie. So... I thought he was phenomenal in this film. Um, certainly showcasing more of his... Abilities than... Casablanca did. Even though Casablanca is like... The more classic movie. Um, but... This one was uh was particularly nice. So, what is the Maltese Falcon? So, it is essentially a story about a guy named Sam Spade, played by Humphrey Bogart, um, who runs a detective agency, and he gets a you know it's the classic like dame walked into my store, and she spins a yarn, and the yarn ends up killing Sam's partner, Manny or I can't remember his name, um, and this this noir mystery begins to, to boil about this item called the Maltese Falcon, which was uh, a historic item um, given from the Isle of Malta to the Kingdom of Spain during the time of the Knights Templar and blah, 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 It's a fucking metal falcon covered in jewels or whatever. And I mean, I don't really want to get into too much detail on it because part of the fun of a noir mystery is not knowing anything about the mystery itself. Um, it's it's a very kind of light movie. Um, not like lighthearted, but the mystery is not very involved or very deep. Um, the performances are pretty good. Peter Laurel, uh, Lore, Lore, Peter L O R R E, Lore, I think is the name is, um, who is also incredibly prolific in terms of movies um is in this one as well and he does a very good job um he's he's such a fascinating goddamn dude um he's the guy that like he has he has a little bit of like protubering eyes and so he'd be he was he always had like this tone of voice because i think he was austrian um so there's just this quality tone where he'd be like and when i woke up the falcon was gone and then I was going to find out where it went. Just has this weird vocal quality to him. That was terrible, by the way. But in my own defense, um, I believe I actually have bronchitis, which is super fun. Because um, literally the only thing wrong with me is a sore throat. And it's a fucking doozy of a sore throat, let me tell you. It has not stopped hurting for... since Tuesday. So one, two, th- Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday is friday so it's been four days um but everything i've read online says that bronchitis will just kind of go away on its own um usually a week to 10 days so i'm just staying the course and doing all the crap that i can do um to to make it better but my fucking cough drops suck anyway the maltese falcon was really good um I prefer Casablanca because I'm a sucker for a good romance movie. Also, Ingrid Bergman is so much better than the fucking person they had in this movie. Who even was it? Mary Astor. Um, It's the femme fatale client. She... Her character sucked. I gotta be honest. I did not like... What the fuck was it? Bridget O'Shaughnessy? Yeah, no, that... Her constant lying and being like, "Oh, woe is me!" I hated that shit. Um, so fuck that character, and I'm happy what happened to him. So there you, there you go. Um, yeah, I mean, if if you haven't seen it, it's funny. Where it's like, it's it's a very old movie, and if you haven't seen it, I'm not sure it's worth it. Like, let me put it this way. There's a lot of incredible, like, golden age of Hollywood movies. And it truly was, like, a golden age. There's just something about the quality and the acting and the the, the shooting of these films that have a different kind of character to them. And they're pretty timeless, all things considered. Like, you can't watch one of these movies without going like, yep, that's a, that's a product of the time. I, you know... You you just you know instantly when you turn it on. You can't sit there and be like, oh, that's not you know politically correct nowadays, because um, fucking like none of it is. It's it's all fucking super not okay. Um, but it's a it's a hell of a of a movie. Um, Castle is better. I give the Maltese Falcon say like eight out of ten. You know what this movie makes me want? I want a movie, and I'm sure there is one. I mean, he had such a prolific career. There's no way there isn't one. But I need a movie of Humphrey Bargart being the villain. That's what I want. I would adore that. Because in this movie, he was very intimidating um, very often. And I feel like he would kill as a villain. I don't think he ever played one. I mean, that's that's kind of his his shtick, right? He's the he's the goddamn hero. Like he is the hero. He was the face of Hollywood. Yeah, the American Film Institute nineteen ninety nine selected him as the greatest male star of classic American cinema, which surprises no one at all. So yeah, good good stuff. I I very much enjoy watching some of those Turner Classic movies on HBO Max. It is so much fun to dive back into them. Go watch, go watch Casablanca. Uh, Next up, I have Treasure of the Sierra Madre, and um, if I can find the African Queen, I'm gonna watch that as well. But maybe later. Next thing in the podcast. I don't know what's gotten into me with this Humphrey Bogart kick, but I just finished The Treasures of the Sierra Madres, which was a later um, movie in Bogart's career, and it scratched the itch that I wanted after seeing, um, the Maltese Falcon, which is, I wanted to see Bogart play a villain, and I wouldn't really classify him as, like, the villain, I would say greed is more the villain of this movie, but he definitely does villainous things in this film, and just as I predicted, he did a really good job of that. Um, it was also somewhat Twilight Zone-esque uh, there's a lot of uh, periods where Humphrey is just talking to himself um, and he's doing a whole like well, maybe I didn't shoot him right maybe he's still alive maybe his eyes are looking at me in the night watching me and then he freaks out Treasurer Sierra Madre starts with Humphrey Bogart being poor as shit dudes broke out on his ass and after getting scammed out of a couple of good weeks' pay for work, uh, he meets up with this guy named Curtin uh, and this old man named Howard. And uh, the old man starts talking about gold prospecting. And so the three of them decide to throw in together after uh, mugging a guy for money and winning the lottery. They go and try their luck at gold panning. And um, this is where, like, the classic vision of like a crazy old prospector man comes from you know the prospector dance where they've got like their their hands and they're like doing a little jig and their feet are all up and they're going that's from this movie that's uh that's exactly from this movie in fact that guy won an academy award for best supporting actor for being Howard the prospector so fucking cheers to you he was the brother of the director I want to say his name was John Houston. um, uh, Is that what it was? I can't remember. Um, but anyway, the Houston family are uh, pretty fucking prolific. Not only did one of them direct it, but two of them starred in it. And then I believe Angelica Houston is the daughter of the director. It's a pretty pretty influential Hollywood family we got here. We got Academy Award winners. We got... I mean, the fucking director is arguably one of the, like, the best. I didn't talk about this when I was talking about the Maltese Falcon last night, but there's a lot. F- Maltese Falcon is shot really fucking well, which is impressive because it's his directorial debut. But there are so many scenes where Bogart's back is to the camera and the camera's like shot over his shoulder. Um, and it's fascinating to me because it's like he's your leading man and you see the back of his head more than you see the front of it in that movie. And it's, like, it's all done by choice. Like, they meant to do that. And it's just, it's a really interesting quirk. And I thought that made it, I don't know. It kind of made it feel like the audience was, like, a confidant in, in Bogart's, like, interrogations throughout that movie. You know, it felt like we were just, like, kind of being his pal in that. Rather than watching something, I felt more involved. Which is really interesting because the actor straight up just has his back to you. So it's just, I don't know. It was really interesting. Um, But Treasures of Sierra Madre is a completely different kind of movie. If uh, Maltese Falcon is classic film noir, then Maltese Falcon is... I mean, it's like a... It's a pretty classic story. Three guys go out, panning for gold, and then the mistrust begins. And it's Bogart who doesn't trust the other two. um, At all what like he he like gets it in his head it's just like that like he's he gets so suspicious and i'm sitting there being like uh, this is interesting to fun i wanted to see bogart do some some villainous stuff and him threatening to kill and indeeding attempting to kill in this movie and then getting killed himself um is was, was things that i was not expecting it was filmed on location which very few hollywood movies were back then um mostly because it was incredibly expensive you Ever curious how they fucking did that shit? You just Google what fucking the cameras looked like back then. The things were enormous. It's it must have been an incredible undertaking to film that thing on location, uh, all throughout Mexico doing that. Um, yeah, and the, like as, as the you know, the weeks and the months pass by, they get more and more gold, and Dobbs trusts everybody less and less, and then eventually they all kind of end up getting their their endings you know old man goes off and becomes a medicine man for some locals and he just has a fucking grand old time i love that guy uh the other guy goes off and search of peach trees and a a widow to inform her that her husband was killed and fucking humphrey bogart died and i'm willing to bet there's probably not many movies in which humphrey bogart kicks the bucket but he does in this one and it was uh it was a decent flick i think i'm a little old movied out if that makes sense like i've now watched quite a few of them back to back um although i just found out that the african queen is free on youtube and i've always heard that was like bogart's best the thing is it's just like he's a good actor he's like i thought his act, like each movie i see of his he gets progressively better and better at acting as i continue on and it's not like i'm watching them in like like, you know, African Queen is one of his last movies, so it makes sense that he's probably going to put out his best performance then because he has a lot of acting under his belt, but Casablanca, I thought it was wooden. Maltese Falcon, he definitely had a bit more in terms of, like, facial expressions and stuff like that. I was, like, I was more intrigued with, with what he was doing, and in this movie, like, he just straight up pulled that, like, intimidating crazy guy that just straight up murdered his friend. He pulled that off really well, um, and I thought that was that was very impressive. So, but he is the he's <laughs> he's the same in every fucking movie he's in. He doesn't do accents. You know, he's 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 just playing himself or he's just playing everything the same. It's just like doesn't matter what you put him in. You can put him as a penguin, and you'd be like, "Hey, it's me. I'm a penguin." <laughs> quack, quack, you know, just like whatever. Um it'd be it'd be the same fucking shit and not that there's anything wrong with that. I mean, Ryan Reynolds is the same in every movie. The Rock is the same in every movie. Arnold Schwarzenegger is the same in every movie. There are actors who basically stick to their shtick and do that in every fucking movie. And that's perfectly fine. You know, there are so many movies that I never would have seen if it wasn't for actors and the, like, the stability you have when they're involved right? Like, The Atom Project. I haven't seen it yet, but I know I'm going to. Why? Because I love Ryan Reynolds. And Ryan Reynolds being Ryan Reynolds is worth the price of admission pretty much non-stop. And I imagine that's what it was like back in, you know, the 40s and the 50s. If Humphrey Bogart's name was on the fucking ticket, people would go and see Humphrey Bogart. And while I was doing some research on Bogart, um, I found out that there is a Vocal Syndrome named after him. The Bogart... And actually his his last wife, Lauren Bacall. It's called the Bogart-Bacall Syndrome. And apparently it's what happens when you... Basically talk too much in a voice that isn't your own. And fuck up your vocal cords because of it. Um, Which I thought was interesting. I'd never heard of the B- uh, Bogart-Bacall Syndrome before. But apparently it comes from trying to sound like either of them. And they both have fairly low voices. Um... You know, you wouldn't be too too far off just kind of deepening your voice and saying see a lot, um, in order to sound like either of them. Humphrey Bogart, see? My head is twice the size of an older person's head, see? So He's he is damn entertaining though. When he's on his game, that's a that's a fucking That's a, that's quite a performance he puts for dude carries these fucking movies. Which is good because these old fucking movies really don't have much else going on besides their acting, and that's kind of why I like it. It's almost like watching a play, you know. Today's movies, it's there's a lot of special effects, there's a lot of action, there's a lot of violence, there's a lot of explosions, uh, and you get a little bit of violence. Like there's a shootout in this movie for sure, but it's like it's not on the same scale, you know. It really is like watching a play. It's a completely different kind of movie, um, and I love them both equally. But it's so. Kind of nice to see something fairly um, straightforward, so that's why that's why I really like this movie. So I would give *Treasures of the Sierra Madre* probably—I don't remember. Hmm, I'd say seven out of ten. It's a pretty solid movie. I'd probably give the equivalent of *Maltese Falcon*. I might give *Maltese Falcon* an eight out of ten. I don't remember if I actually gave it a rating, but now that it's like the next day, um, oh, also I watched *Time Bandits*. Because I, I, want, I googled on HBO Max every movie that had Sean Connery in it. And Time Bandits came up. And I was like, what the fuck is Time Bandits? It's a Terry Gilliam movie. Um, and it was written by him and Michael Palin. And both of those guys come to us from Monty Python. And so I was like, alright, alright. Those are the f- smart, funny guys. Let's give this movie a shot. Um, it's okay. I'll be honest, I don't really know how it ended... Because I was, like... It was, like, 6 a.m. this morning when I put that movie on. Um, because I'm still, like, recovering from what I... What I have guessed based on my own experience and what the internet has told me is bronchitis. Um, which should go away in a couple of days. Um, I was lying in bed watching this movie and it's... And I fell asleep, like, in the the climactic finale of this film. So, I don't really know how it ended. Um... And it was fine. I mean, it's it's not nothing I haven't seen before. I mean, there's definitely elements of that movie I've never quite experienced before. Um, and so it did have some new stuff to throw at me. But I think, like, the general little kid goes on an adventure through time sort of story um, I've seen performed better elsewhere. It actually reminded me of, like, Labyrinth uh, quite a bit. Um, I think there were some pretty strong parallels between those two movies, like just kind of the wackiness of the adventure. And to be fair, that is the point of the movie. Apparently, uh, Gilliam made a trilogy of films about uh, understanding and like looking at the world through like the wacky lens of various perspectives. And so this was about looking at the world through the wacky lens of a child. And then a movie called Brazil was about looking at the world through the eyes of an adult. And then he came out with another movie that I can't remember the title of, but apparently that's what it's like to look at the world through the eyes of a really old guy. So that's a really interesting trilogy of movies. Um, And I'm sure if you watched all three of these things, you'd have a really fucking weird philosophical movie night. That being said, I thought Time Bandit was, um, it was probably incredibly original for its time, but... You know, it's not the 80s anymore, so it's, it's not as uh, unique as I imagined many people thought it was at the time. I will say that the movie ends really weirdly. Um, the kid, like, leaves his magical fantasy time-traveling world and goes back home, and his house is on fire. And then the guy who played Agamemnon, Sean Connery, is there as a firefighter, and he's just he's just there, and he puts the fire out. And his parents open, like, the toaster oven that started the fire, and there's just this black rock in it. And the kid goes, Mom, Dad, don't touch it, it's evil! And they touch it and die. And then the kid walks back to, like, the ashes of his family home while all the neighbors are going, like, oh my, oh my word. And the movie ends. That's it. There's no, like, the kid goes back to time traveling or nothing. Kid's just an orphan now. Kid's just fucked. He's got nobody. He's got nobody left. Six out of ten for that movie. Gets an extra point because of Sean Conner. Um, It's a a fine movie. It just didn't do anything, like, amazing. You know, I'm watching a lot of these movies um, because I have this weird, innate thing that I'm like, there are movies out there that I've never seen that are supposedly some of the best ever made. Time Bandits wasn't on that list. It, it just came out because of Sean Connery. But all the other ones, all the Humphrey Bogart movies I've been watching are, are things that are supposedly really, really good. And I feel like I I love movies. I, I adore movies. I think movies are phenomenal. And so I, I feel like I owe it to my being a fan of movies to witness these ancient greats. You know? Movies that are 80, 90 years old in some cases. Um, And a lot of them Hold up Like There's a reason These things hang on You know Um, And you You know You can Appreciate it for the time And you can still be impressed By what they did And like Today's sensibilities It's I don't know It's It's fun Um, And like I said It's a completely different Kind of movie It's oddly relaxing um, Depending on what movie You're watching It could be pretty tense Otherwise I don't know It's just It's just pleasant to, to, to witness them. So, yeah. I just like experiencing this kind of level of culture. Especially now that I can kind of hold my own when it comes to, like, you know, you have a conversation with someone and then go, like, what's your favorite movie? And then you go, like, oh, I love Casablanca. And then now I can talk to that movie and be like, oh, yeah, that movie was actually it's quite good. I, I very much enjoyed it. Did not know it was a World War II movie when I started it, but fucking it is. It's awesome. um Anyway... I think that'll do it for this week's episode of the podcast. Um, I have avoided doing any audiobook chapter recording while I've been dealing with my throat shit, but apparently recording the podcast is completely fine. So, there you go. I guess it, my, my my excuse for why I'm okay doing this is because I'm not talking as long as I would be for an audiobook chapter. Um, and it doesn't really hurt to talk in my normal voice. I imagine if I were doing character voices, it would hurt quite a bit, but since... My my current illness is literally exclusive to the throatal region. Um, I am I am trying to take it easy, and it fucking sucks because I have all, I had all this time this week for taking sick days, and I'm like, you know, because I couldn't fucking talk and I felt so weak. Um, and I I'm like, this would have been perfect if it was anything else. If it was you know, uh, fucking head cold and I was all stuffed up, I probably would have recorded like eight books. But no, 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 no. Your vocal cords are fucked. Eat me. Stupid. It's like the worst thing for, for me to get is something that impacts the vocal cords. And the worst bit is, is I don't know what brought it around. I've got my theories. Like, I, I went to two sporting events back to back and the, like, I didn't wear a mask either time. Then I went to a concert and I didn't have a mask on then. So, it's, it, you know, it's, it was only a matter of time before I got sick with something. I'm just glad it wasn't COVID. But, fucking bronchitis. Stupid. Stupid! Anyway. It should clear up in a couple of days, but I'm probably still gonna have, like, coughing for a while. Although, it's weird. I don't have coughing now. I just have, like... I don't want to get too graphic with it, but bronchitis comes with a certain level of, um... Discharge. That, uh, you gotta get out. And, um... I definitely have that going on. No coughing, which is nice. And just to try and stay hydrated as much as possible. Bronchitis sucks. Anyway, thank you all very much for listening to this week's episode of the Growing Upcast. I hope you're all healthy and happy. And I will see you all next time for another episode. Have a good one, everyone.